that in your, your Bible. We have uh, been for several weeks now studying concerning the tabernacle. The subject changes tonight. Moses has been up on the mountain for close to 40 days <clears throat> receiving the blueprints or the instructions for the tabernacle and all the furnishings and all those other things and about the priest's garments and all that that we've been studying for a long time. But there's a couple of chapters that intervenes here. And uh, I was reading a book written by Warren Wearsby today. And he titled these next two chapters, A Broken Heart and a Shining Face. We're going to study about the broken heart tonight. Moses is there up on the mountain with God. And we're just going again reading in, in verse 1 and just follow along. We'll just go as we can down through here. Don't know how far we'll get in it tonight. But it says, And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, up, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. <clears throat> Moses has been gone from the congregation some somewhat less than 40 days. And as happens so many times when the leader's gone, things began to happen. People began to gather around and they, they come to Aaron. Aaron, of course, is the brother of Moses. The second in command, I suppose, that we would say it that way. And notice what they said to Aaron. Make us gods. Now they'd been in Egypt for all their lives. And they had saw all kinds of gods there. But they had been told all of their life that our God is not like their God, that our God is a mighty God, and we don't make graven images. We don't make imitation gods. But yet <clears throat> their demand of Moses or of Aaron is, make us gods. Make us gods which shall go before us. They wanted something or someone that they could see which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, now notice how they term this here, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. We don't know what's become of him. He just a man to them. Of course, that's all he was, was a man, but he was a man sent by God. But I, I think they kind of degrade him here by how they say this. The man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. Well, who brought him up out of Egypt? God did. You see, they're selling God short here. And they're saying that Moses did this. We don't know what's become of him. Well, look at Aaron in verse 2. 
Now, Aaron was supposed to be the chief priest. He was supposed to be a a spiritual leader. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in your ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them to me. I remember, as they were leaving the land of, of Egypt, they went to their neighbors there in Egypt. And their neighbors gave them their gold and their silver and all this jewelry. And they had to hang it on their children's necks to bring it all out that they had given them. So it appears that everybody but the men, if I read this right, everybody but the men were wearing golden earrings. He says, break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives. He's talking to the men, your sons, your daughters, and bring them unto me. So this has become a cultural thing, I guess, for them. They've got those earrings, so they're going to wear them. They had them on. And all the people break off the golden earrings which are in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. So they do as he said. He received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. After all that God had done for them, the very bread that they were eating on that particular day was given from the hand of God. The water that they would drink, God had led them to it. Everything that they had, God was supplying. But here, they say, these are our gods, O Israel. These are the gods that brought us up out of the land of Egypt. That golden calf that had been made there. And the Bible says in verse 5, and when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. He built an altar before this golden calf. And Aaron made proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast day to the Lord. Hey, come on back tomorrow. We're going to have a hallelujah time. We're going to worship the Lord right here in front of this golden calf. They rose up early on the morrow. Dr. Wearsby said something about that today. He said how easy it is to get out of the bed to do something that you really want to do, but how difficult is it to get up and pray? Something to think about, isn't it? They rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. They was having a beach berm out down there, I guess. I don't know what you might call it. But now, Dr. Wearsby, he, he, recogn- he uh, categorizes those first six verses there as the great sin. They had turned their back on God just 40 days or less since Moses had left. 
verse 7, the Lord said to Moses, Get thee down, for thy people which thou hast broughtest out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. Now these next verses, Dr. Wearsby said these, this is the great test. And I began to look at that and I said, where did you get a test? But I found it. God is testing Moses here. Notice what God says to him. Get down for thy people. God didn't say my people. He said your people. Get down for your people which, brought you, which you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. God uses the same terminology they were using when they said this man that brought us out. And God's saying that back to Moses here. Those people that you brought out of the land. God's putting him to the test to see if he'll take credit for that. You see, a God often may test us to see if we'll give him the glory, give him the honor, give him the praise, or if we'll heap it upon ourselves. And when we take the glory, we, we fail to give glory to God and we fail to get the blessing that God wants to give us. But he said to Moses, get down for your people which you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made a small molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed therein too and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. God knew all about it. God saw everything that they were doing. Just like he sees us. You can't do wrong and get by. God sees it. God knows about it. You may think you've gotten by with it. And it may lay around for a while before you have to pay for it. But there's a price to be paid. Verse 9, the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. How would you describe a stiff-necked person? Obstinate, Obstinate stubborn, ignorant. ignorant. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of adjectives we can put on there, isn't it? Something that's stiff-necked, it can't turn its head. Just goes in one direction. But God called the Israelite people that. They're stiff necked people. And verse 10 is a kind of an unusual verse here. And God is speaking to Moses and he says, Now therefore, let me alone. I thought that was a strange thing for God to say to Moses, let me alone. Don't bother me. Let me alone. Listen, listen to the rest of the sentence. Though. Let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Hmm. What an offer. 
Isn't this the promise he promised to Abraham? Yeah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God made them all that promise. And these were Abraham's people that we're talking about. But God has just said to Moses, if you just let me alone, I'll just destroy him, and I'll raise up a people under your name. Now that might make some people feel real good that God's going to make, take me and make a great nation. But Moses understood some things. He understood some things about God. That God is a promise keeper. That when God gives his promise that he keeps it. And Moses begins to talk to God here. Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot against thy people? Notice, God had called them Moses' people. But Moses put it back on God here. They're your people. Why have you grown angry against your people, which you have brought forth out of the land of Egypt, with great power and with a mighty hand? Moses refused to take the bait here. He refused to take credit for what God had done. He refused to take credit and claim these as his people. He was a part of those people, but yet they're God's people. And notice what he says to God in verse 12. Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. And notice Moses' reasoning here. Lord, if you do that, the Egyptians will say, you brought these people out of there not to deliver them, but to kill them. And I can imagine that he went ahead to think about what will the Egyptians tell their people? This mighty God that they feared that delivered those people out of our hands. Well, he just took them out in the wilderness and killed them all. He wasn't a real God to begin with. He's just like our gods. Then Moses said something to God. Turn from your fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. He's asking God to repent. <laughs> that is strong words. The word repent here means to change your mind. He's asking God to change his mind. 
And he gives him another reason. In verse 13, remember. Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. Remember Israel. Thy servants. To whom thou swearest by thine own self. And said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven. And all this land that I have spoken of will I give to your seed. And they shall inherit it forever. He simply reminded God of that promise he had made. Is it wrong for us to remind God of promises that he's made? No. As a matter of fact, God wants us to remind him of those promises. And God wants us to claim those promises. But you see, Moses was being put to the test. He could have said, go ahead and wipe them out. God, raise up a people to me. I'll be a greater leader than I've ever been. Moses understood God's plan. And he's asking God, please carry out your plan. As you have stated it. Verse 14. I think this is the only place in the scripture you'll find a phrase like this. And the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. He changed his mind. He would have been justified in taking them to task for it. But yet God changed his mind. You can see grace coming in there, can't you? They didn't deserve anything better. They deserved to be killed off, really. But God offered them grace. The favor of God that is undeserved. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can only receive it. But there's a price to be paid for sin. There's, there's examples in the Bible that even after sin has for, been forgiven, that there is still a price to be paid for it. God forgave David of his sin with Bathsheba. But he paid for it through that baby dying. And on down through his life, God told him the sword would not leave his house. He had a son that raped his stepsister. And because of that, her brother killed that son. And on and on it went. His own son rebelled against him and went out and slept even on the rooftops with David's concubines. Tried to overthrow his kingdom. That was still the price that David was paying down through his life. Verse 15, we, we see the great discipline here in verses 15 through 29, how God disciplines his people. Moses turned and went down from the mount. 
And the two tables of the testimony were in his hands. These are the Ten Commandments that we call them today. The tables were written on both their sides. On one side and on the other they were written. And the tables were the work of God. And the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. God had wrote these commandments out on these stones and given them to Moses. They were replaced in the Ark of the Covenant. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, There is a noise of war in the camp. Now you remember Joshua had went part of the way up on the mountain with Moses. Evidently Moses had come back to where Joshua was at. And Joshua informs him, There's a sound, the noise of war in the camp. I wasn't hearing a war. They were down there partying. He said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. It's not like they've gone out and won a battle and they're, they're, they're celebrating that. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. They're not crying out for help when they're being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. They were singing. I doubt they were singing Amazing Grace. They were probably singing about that gold calf. I don't know what they were singing. But they were partying. It came to pass as soon as he came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf. First thing he spots, he sees that gold calf. He saw the calf and the dancing. They were having a shindig going out there. And Moses' anger waxed hot. You ever get angry? Sometimes I do. Anger's not all a bad thing. Sometimes it's good to be angry. But the Bible says be angry and sin not. Most of the time I go beyond. Moses' anger waxed hot and he cast the table out of his hands and break them beneath the mount. He took those two stones of God's law and I can just imagine him raising them above his head and throwing them down on the ground. And they break. Things that had been written by the finger of God and given by God. That's not all that he did. Verse 20. He took the calf which they made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder. 
strode it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it. Now Warren Wiersbe said this calf may have been first of all uh, whittled out of wood and then gold-plated. I don't know. I, that's the only way I could know that you can burn gold. It says he burned it and then ground it into powder. But the point is that gold calf was destroyed very quickly. But it didn't get destroyed out of the minds of God's people. That was an act of idolatry that they had done against God. They had broken the first commandment, which thou shalt have no other gods before me. They had broken another one, thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images. Moses ground it into powder and he put it out on their water and made the children of Israel drink of it. Gold Kool-Aid, I guess you'd call it. Moses said unto Aaron, What did this people unto thee that thou hast brought so great a sin upon them? Aaron, what did these people do to you that you've brought such a great sin upon them? And Aaron responds in verse 22. Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord wax hot. You're getting a little overheated there, brother. Don't, don't get so riled up about it. You know the people that they're set on mischief. You know who they are. They said unto me, now listen to Aaron's version here. They said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And I said unto them, whosoever has any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. <laughs> Pretty simple, isn't it? <laughs> We can always put our own spin on things, can't we? He's trying to take the blame off of himself, putting it on the people. Yeah. The old blame game, it's as old as mankind. Yeah. And it's still going today. Not, not me, I didn't do that. Look at verse 25. When Moses saw that the people were naked, they was having a striptease party. Aaron had made them naked unto their shame among their enemies. There were enemies around looking on. Whenever we do sin, the devil will always have somebody of his people around to spot it. And they'll use it. 
So and so does this. Then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. If you're on the Lord's side, I want you to come over here with me. Now you'd think there'd be two million people that would come. But notice, this, this is their altar call here, so to speak. Who's on the Lord's side? Let him come unto me. All the sons of Levi gathered themselves unto him. The priesthood. These were the sons of Levi. Moses' brother Aaron children and grandchildren and those that were a part of the Levitical tribe. They're the only ones that responded. They're the only ones that came. Verse 27, He said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Put every man his sword by his side, Go in and out from gate to gate throughout the camp. Slay every man his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. Go through the congregation, every one of you. When you see a man that is your brother, you see a man that is your companion, or your neighbor. Put him to death. The wages of sin is death. Always has been. Always will be. That's a hard thing to say to people. The children of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. 3,000 men who were executed that day to pay for sin. Verse 25, there's a missed blessing here. For Moses had said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord even every man upon his son and upon his brother, that he may bestow upon you a blessing this day. That was to be a day of blessing. But they missed that blessing. Instead of consecrating themselves to the Lord that day, they consecrated themselves to an idol. And they missed that blessing. Verses 30 through 35 talks about the great intercession. Moses shows us something here. And it, it speaks to me as a, a pastor, a minister. There's times when your people don't do what all's expected. But there's always time to pray for them. To plead with God on their behalf. 
It came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin. There's no denying that. You have sinned a great sin. And now I will go up unto the Lord. People, I want you to know I'm going to go before the Lord. And peradventure, perhaps, I shall make an atonement for your sin. Moses was willing to lay his life on the line so the sin would be atoned for his people. That's the mark of a great leader. It's the mark of our Lord Jesus Christ that Jesus laid down his life for my sins and your sins. Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Oh, this people has sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin. And my Bible's got a slash mark and a colon there. It's like Moses choked. He couldn't say everything that was in his heart. They've sinned a great sin. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and he couldn't speak anymore. And when he gets his voice back, he says, And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. That's laying your life on the line, isn't it? God, if you won't forgive them, just blot me out. Take my name out of your book. Look at the Lord's answer. The Lord said unto Moses, Whosoever has sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now go. Lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken of unto thee. Moses, I'm not about to blot your name out of the book. The ones that have sinned, those are the ones I'll blot out of my book. And because of that, that's what the word therefore, therefore now, Go, lead the people. That's what God had called him to do. Lead the people. Lead the people unto the place of which I have spoken of unto thee. Moses, We've set up all of these rules and regulations about atonement. 
those kind of things. There's proper ways for people to get their sins forgiven. It's not your job to figure out whether or not they're forgiven. That's between me and them. Your job is to go lead the people to the place that I've spoken to you about. Oh, how easy it is for us to get distracted and to forget what we're supposed to be doing for the Lord. But God says something here then that I think later on Moses will find that there was a great turning point here. Behold, mine angel shall go before thee. God had been going with him. Now he says, my angel will go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sin upon them. I don't expect you to punish them, Moses. I expect you to lead them. I don't expect you to pay their sin debt. I take care of that. Moses, from now on, you're going to be looking to my angel. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. There's the story of the broken heart. In chapter 33, you'll find where Moses goes back up on the mountain. God told him to hew out the stones and bring them back up there. Next time he comes down, what's happening to him? You remember? His face was shining. They couldn't even look at him. <laughs> I like liked, uh, the title that the doctor put on it there. A broken heart and a shining face. Anyone with questions or comments you'd like to make? about Jesus he rode into Jerusalem and they were hailing him as the king within a few hours they're saying kill him crucify him uh, things change quickly we're all sinners saved by the grace of God thank God for his grace and his mercy that he gives unto us we're going to close out with a word of prayer and then let you break into your prayer groups. Thank you so much for coming tonight and I hope that your heart has been challenged from the Word of God and that it'll make each of us draw closer. Yes, Lawrence. God must have a lot of hatred. 
Yeah. Yeah. We were probably doing even worse than they were doing. Yeah. Lawrence, would you like to lead us in prayer?